Podcast. We're back. We're very excited to be hosting a special guest tonight. He's a heavyweight fighter hailing from Houston, Texas. He made his professional debut in the LFA, and he's also had a few fights in the UFC and PFL. Tonight, Jeff and I will be hosting Juan Adams. We'll just be going over his career, talking about current UFC events, and whatever else comes up. Juan, how you making out? Uh, I'm good, man. As good as I can be. You know, just working and training. That's all I do. That's all anyone can do, it seems like. Yeah. So, uh, just we just want to hear about the beginning of your athletic journey. Like, where did it start and what did it begin with? Did it start with fighting or something else? Yeah, no. Um, little known fact, uh, I've been playing uh, organized sports since I was three years old. Uh, my first sport was actually uh, soccer. You know, um, I always wanted to play football you know um you know I just always loved football as as a kid and um actually my mom didn't let me play football until I was 10 um I was so big that uh I always had to play up in age groups so or two age groups sometimes and across the board in every sport um so I started with uh soccer and then it was for the longest it was just soccer and then it was uh whew, it was really just soccer until like kindergarten uh first grade and then uh they let me play baseball so i i started playing baseball got pretty good at that um and then at 6 i started doing gymnastics um uh so i did gymnastics for a little while and then yeah, so it was what was it? Just baseball. Uh, I would have baseball games, do a little gymnastics. I would have soccer games, and then uh, football didn't really start until uh, I was ten. Uh, I actually played a lot of basketball. I never played organized, um, so to speak, because uh, well, my aunt at the time was dating a guy that played for the Rockets, so I would always go to his basketball camp and just never really got to play in a league or anything. So, uh, yeah, it was um, gymnastics. Uh, my elementary school had a track team, so I ran track. And then, uh, let's see, after football and baseball, we get to the middle school era, and that's when it was um, really just – I did football, baseball, soccer. Uh, at that point, I started swim team as well. Um so, yeah, I did. My middle school didn't have a football team, so I was still playing peewee football. But for my middle school, I did cross-country, track, baseball, uh, soccer, and um, swimming for uh, for the team, for the school. My school didn't have a baseball team. Uh, I got to, I think, 12, and at that point, or uh, 12 and 13, and at that point, uh, I got – asked to play select baseball for a 16 and under team. And my mom was just like, no way. Um, but <laughs> mind you, at 12 years old, I was 5'6", 150. So it was like, they weren't, <laughs> she was like, no, you're not playing with older kids or whatever. <laughs> so I just did the middle school sports until high school. And then in high school, I did um, I did basketball in middle school. And then in high school, I did football, wrestling, and track my freshman year. And I was going to be um, – I wasn't going to make the basketball team. I was five – at that point, I was 5'9", 180. 
um, at basketball tryouts, and you know, I thought I was a point guard, and that didn't go too well. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I started wrestling at that point, and then throughout wrestling, I just was having trouble making weight. Uh, played high school football, and that kind of just killed any joy I had for the sport of football. Um, you know, I I loved training. Um, I loved the games. I, I didn't even mind practice all that much, but didn't really like uh, some of the coaches there, didn't like the positions that they were trying to make me play, and then uh, I didn't really like my teammates either. Um, but my freshman year, I got my growth spurt. I went from 5'9". I started the year at 5'9", 160. I finished that year at 6'3", 230. And yeah, then I just – yeah, I just <laughs> kept growing. So at that point, I was like, all right, well, I'm not going to play basketball anymore. I'm just going to keep wrestling because I love wrestling. Um, and I always loved to fight. Like, I started getting into fights probably. My brother and I, we would get into neighborhood fights, but I was never the one to start it. I was kind of like, you'd have to really piss me off to get me to fight. But then, in, you know, in high school, started getting all that testosterone, and I was I was ready to fight over anything. Um <laughs> Wait, there yeah, was kids not... who would fuck with you when you were that size? Like, why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause, I mean, I was I was a weird kid, man. I was always weird. Like, um, little known fact about me: like, I was into. I've I've been reading at a. I read at a high school level since I was like six. So Damn. I was really into like sci-fi and fantasy books, and that's all I would read all the time. So I was like, I was into some weird shit. And, you know, I would get made fun of a little bit. Uh, I was real soft-spoken. Uh, before my voice changed, I had a really, like, high-pitched, raspy voice. And it was really weird. So I, I got fucked with a lot. And um, finally, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm bigger than all these people. Like, I'm not going to deal with it. <laughs> so, like, at that point, like, you would fuck with me, and I would tell you twice. And if I had to tell you a third time, you were getting that ass whooped, you know. And that was, <laughs> was kind of how it was. And um, wrestling really gave me an outlet for a lot of that. Sports in general, like I would get to school early in the morning. I would work out. Um, I always knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. I didn't know in what. I was like every sport I played. I'm like, yeah, I could see myself doing this professionally. Like, so I would give it my all and everything. And um, you know, my senior year, I had a few football offers. I broke my hand the first game of the season, lost all the offers. It was like, yeah, you could be a preferred walk-on, but not really. And I was like, I don't like football enough to, you know, put myself through that. But then uh, VMI hit me up uh, for wrestling, and it was after their scholarship deadline. So they're like, look, you come here as a walk-on. You do really well your freshman year. We'll put you on scholarship. So that's what I did, and uh, then I became a two-year team captain for that. Over the summers for that, um, I think my junior year, I went into an MMA gym, and I was like, look, uh, you know, if you guys give me free membership so I can come here and work out and everything, I will help your fighters with their wrestling. Um, and at the time, they had a an All-America, a guy that All-American in college there for wrestling, and an Olympian coaching their wrestling program, plus a couple other, like, national qualifiers, bigger guys that were helping with the wrestling program. So I was getting good work in over the summers. And, um, yeah, so then uh, through that, I was like, well, maybe I should start sparring or 
watching the striking stuff so I know different positions that would help these guys transition into their wrestling. And um, then at that point, I'm like, you know what? I, I think I could do MMA. Like, I, I could probably do this professionally. And then my teammates uh, in college on the team, I was always kind of an outcast. I was a team captain, but, like, I've, I always had more of an uh, abrasive. I used to have a much more abrasive personality. And uh, so it rub a lot of people the wrong way. And I was like, well, you know what? You can say whatever you want, but my record's better than yours. So you suck and I don't. Therefore, shut up. You know, that was that was kind of it. And um, didn't really have a lot of great people skills at that time of my life. Um, and so – as I was doing that, they were like, oh, there's no way you could do that. Like, you can't fight. And then I was like, all right, bitch, like, let's do this. So I started training for it. And, like, and um, in all of that, like, uh, my senior, my fifth year in college, um, I had a medical redshirt because I got injured one year. They're like, you know, uh, the Colts reached out to my, my college coach. I'm like, hey, you know, do you think, you know, this guy athletic, you know, does he work hard? Maybe we can switch him over and he could play some football. So I was like, yeah, screw it. Like, I hadn't played football in, like, five years. But I'm like, you know what? You get a chance to play in the NFL, you take it, right? Um, so I started doing the training and stuff, and it just reminded me, like, I hey, don't like playing football. Like, I just don't like it. Um, I love working out, don't get me wrong, but when it comes to, like, doing actual football stuff, I don't enjoy it. Uh I like the analytics side of it. Like, I like the data of it. I'll do fantasy football, but I just, I don't like it. So, um, and right around that time, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. So I kind of put the MMA stuff on a hold, on hold. I moved back to Houston, was training for this NFL thing for like six months. And then they go, maybe, uh, maybe you should wait another year. And I was like, you know, fuck that. I don't like it that much. Like, I'm not getting paid. This is costing me money. I'm just going to go and start doing MMA. And uh, so, yeah, I graduated May of 2015. Uh, September of 2016, I had my MMA amateur debut, and the rest was kind of history from there. <laughs> Damn, you fucking dipped your toe in everything. Uh, it's hard yeah. to hear about your mom, man. That's sad. It's fucking terrible thing. Yeah, I feel like that's the source of a lot of my relationship issues to this day, but, you know, whatever. Live and learn. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So um, did you make your amateur debut with Fury FC? Is that where you officially made your amateur debut? Yeah, yeah, it was Fury FC. And actually at the time, they had an amateur promotion only called uh, Cage Combat, right? So I would do... Cage combat or fight on the undercards of Fury. Yep. Okay, gotcha. And that's out of Houston, too? Yep. Gotcha. So then you go in the LFA, right? Right after that? Right, right. And you pretty much just steamrolled your regional competition. I mean, three finishes in a row. Then following your third finish, did you feel like um like your, your run with the F- LFA was coming to an end? Did you feel that or – no, it was it was crazy. So after my third fight with LFA, um, Jackson Wink, my manager had a really good relationship with Jackson Wink. So I was like, yeah, like whatever, I'll go try it. So it lined up perfectly because um, WWE hit me up about a tryout as well. So the way it worked out, I drove. No, no, no. Uh, the way it worked out, like. Um, 
I did my LFA fight, whatever. I fly out to Orlando, do the WWE tryout. That shit was ridiculously hard. And then um, it was funny. Like, I had just gone through, like, a little breakup, end of a situation. So I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I'm there. Like, I'm doing these workouts and um, going through this breakup. And they're like, come on, man, show us some personality. And I'm like, I I, I don't just, like, turn turn it on like that. There's got to be some give and take. You know, you tell me something, I, I can be hilarious. Um, so that didn't work out. I live in Houston, drive out to Jackson Wink in Albuquerque. And uh, I loved it out here, but I'm just like, you know, I have too much going on in Houston. I don't really want to, you know, uproot my life at that point. I'm like, what, 24 years old, maybe 26 at the time. I don't know. Uh, I, no, I think it was 26 at the time. And I'm like, nah, you know, I got a good thing in Houston. My coach is with me, got it, whatever. So I go back um, and I just go to observe an LFA fight. And they were talking about, hey, you think you would fight one of these guys for the title? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I, I walked through both these guys. And then Mick Maynard's there and he goes, hey. And Mick, Mick and I always had like a, a pretty cordial relationship. Uh, he's like, I'm having a house party. and But uh, at the time, his wife, Andy, was pretty much running LFA. And me and her were super tight, like super cool with Andy. And so that's how I knew Mick. And he, they invited me out to his house party, his housewarming party. And we're talking. He's like, no, uh, we could probably get you on Contender Series. You know, you're thinking about doing it. Would you, would you be interested in that? And you got to remember, at the time, I'm making like 1200 and 1200 for LFA. And... Uh, at the time, Contender Series was giving you five and five, five grand, five grand to win, uh, show five grand to win. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll do that. And there was a built-in out in my LFA contract, so they, they like just let me go do that. And that's uh, the Sean T fight. I get my UFC contract, and then it was funny because at that time, my manager was really trying to make me move out to Jackson Week. And I'm like, nah, dude, like, uh, I'm a really loyal person. So I'm like, nah, these are the guys that got me. I'm going to stay with them. Like, I'm very proud of where I'm from. Um, I was like, all Houston, whatever. And so I stayed in Houston, go one and two in my first three UFC fights. And at that point, I'm like, all right, I got to make a change. And so that's when I moved out to Albuquerque. Uh, I was about to turn 28. Yeah, about to turn 28 at that time. So I pack all my stuff. I move from my, like, super nice two-bed, two-bathroom apartment in Houston and River Oaks, put my TV and a bunch of clothes in the car, put the rest of the stuff um, in my house down there. And it's pretty much just like a storage unit at this point. Like, put a bunch of stuff in that house, um, throw my TV, my Xbox, and, like, my essentials, you know, my clothes, drive out to Albuquerque. Um, uh, I roommate with Davion Franklin for like my first four or five months here. Studio apartment opens up. I move all my stuff to the studio apartment, drive back to Houston, clean out that apartment, pack it all up, come move it into a studio apartment down here. And I've just been living here ever since. And so, yeah, that's how my run with LFA came to an end. And then even after the UFC, I signed with Aries, the foreign, uh, foreign promotion, 
but it was right before COVID. So nothing was really working out. And uh, then at that point I go back to Fury, uh, like go on a tear and then I get the, the PFL opportunity. Mm. Yeah. That's a fucking long road. So um, when you won that contender series fight, like at the time, looking back on it now, when you're in that moment, did you feel like you made it where you're like, yes, this is it. I finally, everything's coming together. Did you still feel like there was more ahead of you? I, I mean, I knew there was more ahead of me, but I really felt at that moment, everything had lined up and like, I was where I was supposed to be in life. I finally had like everything that I was supposed to have in life. And I mean, you got to remember, like, at every point in my athletic career up until that point, like, everything was coming up just short, you know. Um, uh, I was the number one seed in conference my fifth year. I was, uh, you know, I had beaten a couple All-Americans. I'm like, you know, this is the year All-American, but something just felt off. So, like, I bomb out, get fourth place at conference, and – I'm just like reevaluating my life and I get the call and that's when my mom told me she had cancer. And then I found out later that like all my coaches kind of knew, but nobody told me uh, because my mom didn't want me to know. And, um, you know, we're on the phone, me and my mom are arguing and she, I just like hung up on her. And then the next day I called back to apologize and that's when she told me that, you know, that she had cancer. And I was really messed up from that, man. Like, I almost didn't graduate. It's not that I didn't graduate. My grades were good enough to still graduate because I only had to pass one class out of, like, the, the six I was taking. Um, but, like, I just didn't care. And I went to a military college, so you can't have that kind of attitude there. Like, I'm breaking the rules. I'm going to formations drunk. I'm going to class drunk, like. I just didn't care at that point. And it got to a point where um, they called my best friend's dad because uh, we were roommates. And they're like, yo, like, we might not even give this kid his diploma from here if he doesn't like get it right, like, turn it around. So he called in a few favors and, like, they had a talk with me. And, you know, I locked it up until I graduated. And, I graduate, I get home, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to come home and take care of my mom. Everything's going to be good. You know, I've got this NFL tryout coming up. Like, everything's going to be all – everything's going to be fine. Like, I'm going to make it work out. I had a plan. I had a schedule. I was going to do it. And, um, you know, literally a month later, we're having a conversation of, like, pulling the plug on my mom. Like, she's on life support, like, all that. So – that messed me up for a little bit. Um, then I'm like, I'm just going to use this. Uh, I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to start fighting. And, like, I think I can make it to the UFC in this. And, you know, I make it to the UFC and everything's going to be okay. You know, it was, I was in that mindset. It was like the next thing, you know, if I can just get to the next thing, I'm going to be okay. And I would get to the next thing and I never felt complete. I never did but when I won that contender series fight, I really felt like I was in my purpose and everything was going to be okay. And, you know, I get to the UFC, started seeing this girl, um, you know, nothing on her or anything. She just like, wasn't what 
we just weren't good for each other. It wasn't like, and it wasn't we were malicious or anything. We just were not compatible. But I told myself, you know, uh, if I can make my relationship work. If I can make my career work out, I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be good. Like, I'll make my mom proud. I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And it just didn't, it, nothing was working out. It was like everything was going wrong. Then I lose that, my last fight, even after I moved out to Albuquerque. So it gets to the point where I'm like, I need to make a change. So I'm going to move out to Albuquerque. I'm going to go all in on this fighting, no distractions, whatever. And I'm going to make it like break up with the girl. Like it's going to be okay. And it still, you know, didn't work out. Um, uh, And I don't blame any of that other stuff for it not working out. I blame my failure to execute because I wasn't as focused as I needed to be. Even though I was all in on fighting or whatever, it was before my last fight in the UFC, I'll never forget. I was in there uh, with my coaches and I was actually like crying in the locker room for the fight because it was like, you know, everything that camp went so perfectly. And I'm just like, you know, why wasn't I doing this earlier? Like, I probably wouldn't be in a position where I'm fighting for my UFC livelihood if I had made this switch sooner. But, you know, whatever, I go in, obviously I get knocked out, and that was it. And at that point, I really had to think, like, you know, what am I going to do with my life now? Do I still want to do this? Is there even a future for me in fighting? And for so for, I took that year off, like when the thing with Aries fell through and COVID hit, you know, uh, six months later, I'd run through my savings. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm out in this place where it's not my home. I don't have that safety net anymore. Like, I'm alone. I really felt alone again. And when you're alone, it forces you to really you can do one of two things you can crumble or you can use it to really discover yourself and and go more and i realized that i can't put everything into fighting uh i can't make that the center of my being and i have to find out you know what it is that resonates with me and that's when i started working with with youth again um a few wrong turns in that profession and i end up as a teacher which is cool. Like I love being a teacher. Right. So, um, then that, so that gives me like, you know, a, a newfound purpose. Um, I started fighting again, uh, towards the end of my time working in behavioral health. And I realized that I'm just so much more f- focused. Everything is happening. Right. Like I'm not losing fights, doing dumb stuff anymore. Like, okay. Like this is what I need to be. And, you know, I still lost, I've still lost two fights since then, but it wasn't, like last time where I was losing because I was distracted or whatever, I just lost because various circumstances, whatever, it just didn't work out. I did the best I could and it wasn't good enough, but I'm okay with that. I'm at peace with that now. So that was a really big, uh, big turning point for me, you know, losing in the UFC and where it symbolized to me everything that was supposed to be right. You know, everything that was supposed to work out according to my plan um, and now I've just kind of gotten to a state of acceptance of things. You know, I make the most of whatever life gives me. And I'm appreciative of every opportunity that comes my way as a feeling like 
uh, I deserve this. This is what I need. Like, this is what I've worked for. This is what I deserve. As opposed to being just appreciative of the opportunity to go out and showcase doing something that I love to do. Yeah, that was uh that was real powerful moving shit, man. I mean, it's I think it's hard for a lot of people to find fulfillment in life and whatever they're doing. But that being said, you said you didn't want your life to revolve around fighting. But do you feel as though fighting was the vessel for you to get to this point? Like do you feel like you would have got here without fighting? Or do you think it was more of the that was the stepping stool you needed? I think it would have taken longer and, uh, you know, different types of failures to get me here if it wasn't for fighting. Um, honestly, when, when I fight, it used to be an outlet for me. And now it's more so something that it's a really like spiritual experience for me. It makes me come to term with aspects of myself that I've neglected and it makes me really dig deep and you know be balanced because when i'm in the cage i'm a savage right but when i'm out working and living in my purpose and and helping people helping kids i can't be that you know um so it's it's really good and obviously like the frustrations from that area of my life that goes into you know what i use to train for fighting you know that's where i get that emotional content to to go and and be all of that but i really feel my most at peace when i'm about to fight that 15 minutes or however long that fight lasts is when i really truly feel most connected to the world around me yeah that that yeah that completely makes sense and i think everyone needs an outlet like that whether it's lifting some people like to write whatever it is everyone needs a little one here and there but um how do you think that compares to you, your move? Do you think your move helped you more or fighting helped you more to get to the point you need to? Cause I think some people get to a point where they have to move, you know what I mean? Get away from yeah. hometown, have a reset, start a new life. Do you think that helped you more than fighting? Uh, I, it's weird because I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't for the fighting, you know? Right. So they're, they're forever connected that way. But I do think moving out here to Albuquerque and kind of making my own network. Um, it definitely helped me a lot. And, you know, before, man, before I moved out here, I used so many different things for validation and to really feel worth, you know, um, as opposed to internally. And looking back, that's that could have been a reason why a lot of the the relationships I was pursuing weren't working out, why I was never truly happy. Um, But moving out here when, and, you know, a big part of it, like I moved out here, man, I ran through a lot of women, man. Uh, I had a, I explored a lot of relationships looking for like that missing piece. Cause it was like, there's so many times where I felt like, Oh, everything's in line. Like, yeah, maybe I should try to settle down, like whatever. But until I did that, I really just stopped doing that and focused on the things that really made me just invigorated about life and happy by myself, happy doing things and happy living in my own path. Um, Nothing worked out. And so when I was just in one of those periods of just solitude and you know, my purpose working, you know, I, I've 
got my group of friends. I'll go hang out with them. Um, I met someone through that that really like kind of showed me why no other relationship ever worked out. And um, regardless of if it works out with that girl or not, I know that this is still the place that I need to be. So moving really just provided me with everything that I didn't have before. It provided me with a different type of clarity and a different type of confidence within myself as well. You know, when I lived in Houston, I was doing that before I signed with the UFC, I was working six different jobs. Right. And it wasn't because like, it was, it was a lot of, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had proven to be proficient and skilled at a lot of different things over my life. Like I have a degree in computer science, but I don't work in that field. You know, I, uh, when I graduated, I ran a night, I started as a bouncer, got promoted to general manager within like six months at a nightclub. So I'm managing nightclubs at the same time. I'm a loan coordinator at a bank working part-time. So I'm doing 30 to 35 hours a week as a loan coordinator at a bank. Um, logging crazy hours running these nightclubs then on top of those two things i was coaching at two different schools right uh on top of coaching at two different schools i was also coaching at my gym and running privates there and i was driving uber on top of it like it was just i was just doing all kind of shit because i was bored like i i just didn't know what i wanted to do and you know moving out here I got to where I was like working in something that I loved, uh, doing my, you know, spiritual growth and, and working on all that and moving out here actually enhanced my relationship with my family. You know, it made me communicate more and it made me come to terms with a lot of stuff that I have repressed and suppressed over the years. Jeff, you got something? Yeah. You said you teach. What grade do you teach? Uh, in my first year, I taught ninth grade. This year, I'm teaching seventh grade. Oh, crap. And do they know you fight also? Yeah, they find out. Like, you know, it's never something I lead with. I tell them, like, you know, I tell a lot of them, like, yes, I'm a professional fighter. And a lot of kids that age hear so much BS from different adults that they don't really believe you. Um, but usually, yeah, about this point, uh, usually around Thanksgiving to Christmas break, a few of the kids will actually, like, Google me and, and find that out. And they're like, holy shit, like, my yeah. teacher's like, what the? And so, uh, yeah, a lot of them know I fight now, but it's um, it's cool. Like, it gives them because, you know, they they see someone that's from a similar background as them. You know, I was a kid. I didn't have much as a kid, you know. Um you know, I grew up in Third Ward, Houston, Texas. Um, luckily for me, I got into a magnet program for elementary school, which really fostered my intellect and then went to um, a vanguard and gifted and talented middle school. And from there, I got a scholarship to a private high school. So they see that, you know, I went to college on an athletic scholarship but they don't realize that, you know, education is really the background that, that got me where I am. Hmm. And hmm. how does, like, the fulfillment of teaching compare to the fulfillment of, like, fighting people? Because there's 
totally different right, fields. But completely I, feel, different. I feel I feel they kind of are both very satisfying. They are satisfying because you know when I fight at the end of the day, I'm entertaining people and I inspire them in one way, but like the victories that I get from that it's twofold like the victories I get from that that's a personal thing you know um yeah but the the satisfaction that I get from the connections that I build through fighting and the people that hear my story and see me succeeding and are um inspired by that that's extremely rewarding but when you know you work with a kid right that people have written off or that has a a screwed up home life or for whatever reason doesn't have anyone to really believe in them or doesn't believe in themselves and you can plant that belief in themselves in them or plant that faith in that child that somebody cares about them and see them really want like really start to want and believe that there's better for them out there that's something that you know really can't be replaced and that's something that you only get when you're working in a field that serves other people man uh saying all that so you said it's actually like pretty admirable how like how dead set and how passionate you sound about teaching is this something you plan on doing forever are you going to get back into the fight game or is teaching the long-term goal yeah, they're they're both long term for me. You know, fighting is something that I do for me personally, right? My own personal wants and desires. But teaching is something that I do to make the world a better place. You know, um, long term, I want to open my own school. Like that's, that's the long term plan. So I'm learning everything I can in education right now um, through teaching. Um, the you know the ins and outs of it. And ultimately, you know, I want to serve underserved communities. I want to serve underserved kids and give them the ability to get some of the opportunities that I was afforded. Would the dream be doing that back in Houston, going back to your hometown doing that? Are you like, are you Albuquerque boy now? Do you love it there? Uh, I wouldn't say I love it here. Um, You know, I do like certain aspects of Albuquerque. Um, you know, the girl that, that, that I do ultimately want to marry does live here. So I see myself out here for a while, but it's not a set destination. I want to go where, like, where I want to open schools is where they're most needed, right? Um, right now, New Mexico is, is 50, 50th out of 50 for education. You know, they're not... So I want to, obviously, I definitely do want to open a school here and and start a system of schools here um, or serve someone that's on a similar purpose here or or work for or work with someone that's on a similar purpose here. Um, And from there, you know, I want to go and, you know, just step up education as a whole for that bottom half, you know? Yeah. Yeah, understandable. I mean, that seems like a dream for a lot of people to just help give back. I mean, it's got to be a little more, like you said, different fulfillment, but a little more fulfilling than fighting. And uh, I got to say, man, this has been one of my favorite interviews because it's just been like a real talk back and forth, it's felt like, in comparison to other ones. Yeah. But um, so we'll have one last question for you, then we'll let you get out of here. So you've 
obviously this whole podcast and before this, you've been very open about like mental health struggles, you know, people going through things and how you should get through them. What would you tell someone, maybe even specifically a younger fighter or, you know, a kid who's having a bad home life? What would you tell someone who's having a terrible mental health struggle at the moment and just doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like what advice would you give them? Oh man, that one's, that one's tough because, um, you know, so many times people that are struggling with mental health are looking to the external, right? You're looking for someone else or some type of companionship to some type of something to feel heard, right? From somebody else you you're, and you don't even realize it subconsciously you are then putting, you're giving away the responsibility of your own happiness, right? And I did that for a very long time. It's why it's part of what pushed me to succeed in so many different areas was seeking that that worthiness from other people, right? Um, and until you work on it externally, right? And really confront the things that don't make you happy about yourself. You're, you're gonna continue to struggle. Right. Um, for me anyway, when I was having those, you know, um, ideations, you know, those ideations that I don't want to be here anymore. Right. Uh, it was always because like I would look in the mirror and I wasn't happy with who I was. Right. Uh, for instance, like I always saw myself as, as a young fat kid. Right. So for the longest, I would look in the mirror and I would still see, you know, my 13 year old self with no muscles, like nobody wanted him, like all of that. And so I created an image of who I wanted to be. And that was solely based in the external. So even when I became, you know, what I wanted to look like, the person that I wanted to be looking at, right, with all the accolades and everything from everything else, I still wasn't happy. And it would still take, it would only take, you know, one ending of a friendship, one relationship not working out, one thing, whatever. And I would go back down that spiral. And until recently when over the last four or five years when I really focused on, you know, what is it that would make you happy that doesn't have to do with the physical, right? What, what would make you happy and excited to wake up every morning? Right. Um, and I had to try a lot of stuff before I figured it out. Uh, but it, it came back down to really helping other people. Right. And, so for that, I had to find things that maybe not necessarily excited me every morning, but things that I looked forward to doing all the time, right? And Or things that added value to my life that made me feel valuable that were independent of other people, right? Um, and that's as simple as, you know, waking up in the morning and just being appreciative of the things that I've made for myself or... Uh, it can start off small. Like if there's, there's a video game that I would like, you know, if I can make my character an MVP, you know, that 
that's fun for me, right? That's something that, you know, I like doing, um, you know, catching all the Pokemon on my game, you know, it's just little small goals, taking small little victories when I get there and not just like having the victory, but appreciating it. Right. Because I don't want to get, I don't want to encourage people to get to that point where they're just looking for the next thing. No, you try a lot of stuff. You take the value that you can from it. So you try these things and you find something of value in everything that you do. And maybe the value in it is, is something as simple as like, that is something that I never want to do again. That's still a valuable experience because now you know that's just one thing that you don't want to do. Like, that's not for you. So that would be my advice to everyone is, is find things that make that, that you value, little things, and strive to find a value in everything that you do or take value from every experience you have. And I would say that's the... Not, I wouldn't say it's the quickest or, or the easiest way to pull yourself out of that, but it's it's the most reliable one. Yeah, that was, uh, I mean, yeah, it sounds reliable, and that was about the deepest advice you could have given right on the spot, given the time. And uh, we really appreciate your time. I know you've changed my outlook on a lot of things after just hearing you talk. You know, me and Jeffrey are younger men trying to yeah. find our way still. You really changed our perspective on a lot of things. And I hope other people are listening to this and think the same thing. I hope the advice you give, you know, reaches people and maybe changes their perspective on their life or helps them whatever they, way they need. And we, uh, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for coming on. For sure, man. Hope y'all have a good one. You too. Thank you.